This episode of Troxel is supported by Avail. Avail helps AECO firms better manage, organize, and navigate information faster. Visit getavail.com today. This episode of Troxel is supported by Confluence, a small conference event for AEC professionals and technology providers to discuss industry trends and ideas together. It's put on by the fine folks at Avail. Learn more about the upcoming invite-only event happening in the spring of 2024 in New York City during this episode. This episode of Troxel is supported by ArcVision. Save 5% off anything and everything, including any type of license of the just-released Rhino version 8 when you buy from arcvision.com store and use code TRXL at checkout. That's A-R-C-H-V-I-S-I-O-N dot com slash store and use code TRXL at checkout and save 5% off your entire order. Just make sure you do it before December 31st, 2023. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Troxel Podcast. I'm Evan Troxel. Some housekeeping before we get into this episode. I recently had the privilege of attending Autodesk University in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it's always great to meet members of the AEC community in person, especially Troxel Podcast guests. And speaking of them, there were a couple dozen at AU this year, and I even got to meet up with one of the guests from today's episode, Scott Thompson. I've recently put up a couple of posts on the website talking about my experience there this year, and one of those posts includes a bunch of selfies that I took with past guests of the show. I've also recorded an episode of my ArcaSpeak podcast where I talked more in-depth about my experience. So if you want to know more about what I find valuable about attending AU or are interested to hear what I think about the conference in general please go check all of those things out. I'll put links to all of them in the show notes for this episode. And that's a great reminder for me to tell you about the show notes. I actually put a lot into them, and they include things like the links mentioned during the episode. You can find them for every episode at trxl.co, and I would love it if you'd go there and click on one of the subscribe buttons to get them emailed to you each time a new episode comes out. As a bonus, you'll also get my AEC Tech Newsletter that comes out a few times a month and really fills in the gaps about all of the things that are piquing my interest as I track the coevolution of AEC and technology. Okay, in this episode, I welcome Mehdi Norbakish, PhD, and Scott Thompson. Mehdi is an author, speaker, and CEO of Yegatech, a technology consulting company in the AEC industry. With a decade of experience in research and development of innovative AI solutions in the AEC and manufacturing industry at Yegatech, Autodesk, and Georgia Tech, Mehdi brings a unique perspective to this space. He has developed several AI solutions that are used by tens of thousands of AEC and manufacturing professionals every day. He's filed seven U.S. patents on the use of artificial intelligence in AEC and manufacturing industries and served as a member of the Technical Advisory Committee of the Center of Integrated Facility Engineering at Stanford University. In his new book, written for AEC innovators and professionals called Augment It, How Architecture, Engineering, and Construction Leaders Leverage Data and Artificial Intelligence to Build a Sustainable Future, Mehdi explains how AEC leaders can invent, 
innovate, and augment their capabilities using AI. We're also joined today by Scott Thompson. Scott has over 40 years of experience in the technology space in a variety of sectors, but once falling into the AEC space over 25 years ago, has dedicated his passion for automation and continuous improvement to those that helped to develop our built environment. He is the Vice President of Technology for the SSOE Group, an internationally ranked architecture and engineering firm with over 1,000 employees. I have them both on today to talk about AI because there are many people in AEC firms talking about AI, but today's conversation is about how Scott and Mehdi are working together to actually implement it. Scott's firm, SSOE, has tapped Medi and Yegatech to bring their incredible expertise to the table to build a strategy around using tools like AI, among others, to create a differentiated competitive advantage. And perhaps most importantly, we discuss the focus on people in the implementation of AI in the AEC industry. We highlight the need to address people-related challenges and create a culture of innovation. Be sure to listen for Medi's free offer to Troxel Podcast listeners in the episode. There's a link in the show notes as well. So are you ready? Let's go. Medi and Scott, thanks for joining me today. This is going to be a great conversation. Medi, can you start us off with a definition of, of AI? Here's why I ask. There are a lot of ways people interpret the term AI when they hear it. So I think it's important to set a baseline for the audience to understand exactly where the rest of the conversation is going, beginning with your definition. Yes, of course. Thanks for having us. AI is a branch of science in which scientists design computer systems that mimic human intelligence. To help you visualize it, you can think of AI as a tree with several roots and branches. The roots of this AI tree are philosophy, logic, and mathematics, computation, cognitive science, biology, neuroscience, and evolution. The branches of this tree are subfields of AI, such as computer vision, machine learning, speech recognition and synthesis, search and optimization, knowledge representation and reasoning, and robotics. Oh, one more thing before we begin. Mehdi and I collaborated ahead of time on this episode to create what you just heard. And you might be surprised to learn that those were AI-generated voices for both of us. We both wrote our parts, then I trained the AI with recordings of this conversation that you're about to hear today, with Mehdi's permission, of course, and then let it generate the output. And after tweaking some settings and picking what we thought were the best versions, we settled on the ones you just heard. We actually tried it with a couple of different voice generators, and this was by far the best one. All tools are not created equal. So take a moment and rewind. Go back for a second listen. I think you'll agree how interesting it is to hear that it added some ums and breaths between phrases all on its own. It's incredible. No, I'm not worried about deep fakes at all. Maybe I am. Anyway, this was a possibly terrifying experiment. And so with that, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, I bring you Mehdi Norbakish and Scott Thompson. Mehdi, Scott, welcome to the Troxel Podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks for having us. 
And so obviously the topic is, is AI. And so we've already heard Mehdi, your definition of AI, the, the AI version of you saying what the definition of AI is. And, and this is all laid out in your book. I'm going to hold it up here for the people watching on YouTube. It's called Augment It. And Mehdi, this is a fantastic book because it really just lays a foundation for us all to be on the same wavelength as far as what we're talking about. Right. And, and, and then you go deeper. And so I think that's important. And that's why we, we did this little exercise up front was to lay out the definition of what we're talking about, because it is so easy to interpret what AI could mean. And we hear other terms interchangeably with AI. We, we hear ML, we hear all kinds of stuff. And, and so your book really does a great job at breaking down and you use the analogy of a tree with branches and roots and the different pieces that make up the whole thing of AI. But before we get to the book and before we get to what you and Scott have done together, I would love a little bit of a background. And Mehdi, let's start with you uh, of why you do what you do and how you got here. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm a search, I used to be a search engineer and uh, moved to construction, you know, started uh, building what I used to design and uh, later did my PhD in architecture and design computing and this is where I got introduced to that beautiful world of AI and found myself uh, you know working at uh, Autodesk I was part of a team that um, helped Autodesk to introduce AI to Autodesk and um, I worked during my uh, work at Autodesk, I worked with a lot of different architecture, engineering, and construction companies. And I started seeing a pattern, you know, why some of the AI projects are successful, why some of them are not. And this is where, you know, I started putting them together in a framework. And this was the genesis of my book, um, Augmented. Uh, my goal really was to help the industry don't make the same mistakes over and over and creating a framework that can help companies to create their own AI strategies, finding AI opportunities that gives them market differentiation and start, you know, looking at implementing AI and being more proactive uh, than reactive uh, about AI and new technologies that, that comes in. And for me, when I was writing my book, I interviewed like more than 50 people and I asked them, what is your biggest fear for this industry? And a pattern that emerged was the slow pace of change in the industry. Mm. There are lots of new solutions and tools and things are coming in, but our industry is, you know, very, you know, some parts of the industry is very fixated the way that we used to work. And breaking that is really hard for people. So... At Yegatech, my company, we're trying to help architecture, engineering, and construction companies to look broader, to find areas of opportunities for themselves and help them to create a strategy around AI, create a, a plan, action plan for AI, and help the people also in the organization to come along. Because if we can't change people's mindset, nothing is going to change in our industry. I just want to point out too that I had a conversation with Sam, your partner at Yegatech, yesterday. And so I will put a link to another podcast that I'm participating in called Confluence, where Randall and I interviewed her. And the the topic there was around the 
governance of AI and ethics and copyright. And, and it was very much the other part of this very necessary conversation that all is intertwined as companies are dealing with adoption, right? Uh, so definitely check that out for, for the listeners of this show as well. Scott, can you give us an intro to yourself, yeah. your background and, and where you're coming from? Absolutely. You know, I've, I've started digging around with computers, not because I was passionate about computers in, in about 78. It was just that it was a job that I could work at night while I was going to school. And, you know, I found that uh, I'd probably make more money doing something with computer science than sociology, which was my passion and my first uh, major. And uh, I just kind of I, I, I loved it because of the pace of change, because this industry does change all the time. And I and mm -hmm. I love to be, uh, you know, be put in front of, of, of things that are always moving. Um, and, you know, long story short, you know, that was doing mainframe computers, et cetera. Uh, I ended up working in a uh, field of education, in fact, got a master's in educational technology, which does kind of work its way into computer science and why I love this work. Because when you look at education or education technology, it's all about identifying a performance problem or a learning problem. There's something that needs to be done. And it's not always going to be done uh, through education. It could be a process. It could be an environment. And, and you break things down. And so it's like that really resonated with me, which got into algorithms and doing uh, coding, et cetera. Well, you know, I, I ended up with an engineering firm uh, many years ago, moved up to Portland, Oregon, and, and uh, love it up here, and have stayed in the engineering field, uh, mostly industrial engineering, working with engineers and architects in really helping them automate and become more efficient in utilizing tools for the built environment. And as Mehdi said, it's it's a challenge. It's a mindset challenge more than anything else. Sure, there's a technical challenge, but we all know that technology will change. It's that it's the, the adoption and it's the people side of things. Then I find, uh, maybe this goes back to the sociology, the most challenging part of this is getting folks to get excited by the opportunities and not be fearful of them. So yeah. I think it was about a year or so ago, um, I was coming back from a business trip and I was listening to a podcast. I don't even know what it was, but uh, <clears throat> Medi was being interviewed. And it's like, wow, this, because at that time, there's a lot of stuff coming out. You know, we're just getting the, 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 sig the, the, the signal to noise ratio has been, you know, absolutely horrible. But it's like, wow, for the first time, here's someone that's in my industry that understands this huge world, but in this space. And he spoke to it from, from perspective like, Someone who knew something about the industry, and I had never heard anything like that. Um, I reached out to him and, and uh, found out that he had a book. I read the book, and then, boy, you know what? He, he hits the nail on the head here, and it really is a people problem. Yes, there's all sorts of things you can do and you can build it, but if you don't handle this people side of things, um, it's like any other technology. <clears throat> you're not going to get the value out of it. So, you know, fast forward a little bit, we, uh, you know, I... I set up a meeting with him and our CEO and uh, our COO uh, down at his offices in uh, San Francisco probably about six, seven months ago, uh, introduced them uh, to uh, Sam and to Mehdi. And uh, we decided we're having an annual business planning. Um, let's bring Mehdi in because we knew, I knew that we wanted to do something with AI. Just wasn't sure what it was. Recognize that I have all sorts of good ideas. And so thought, let's get some common language amongst the leadership. Mm -hmm. Get folks to understand what it is we're talking about before we start talking about it. And um, you know, what we discovered um, 
was that was a really critical part of this. It's a really mm. critical piece is getting that language and getting people to start not being fearful of it. And we can talk more about how that went because it was a, it was a phenomenal day. Um, and it was there's a methodology that uh, Yegatech uses, and and I know they've repeated it over and over again. And I've talked with other customers of, of Yegatech. It, it works in getting to a point where now the problem is not I'm afraid of AI. I don't want to use AI. Now it's like I want AI and I need AI. So two sides of the problem, and I'm not sure which one I like more because now <laughs> are so high. So uh, we've been we've been in, uh, involved in the relationship for you know a good year or so one way or the other and um, he's been a game changer for us um, and I, I just love being able to see how we can make incremental and uh, continuous improvement in an industry which is pretty slow to move. Yeah. So there's some themes here that that mimic what I saw at the workshop that I participated in that you led, Mehdi, at the Confluence conference, right? And you took a poll at the beginning and you took a poll at the end. And and maybe you can repeat the question here that you asked and the sentiment that you heard and the shift that occurred from beginning to end. And then we'll figure out what happened in the middle of, of how we got from here to there. Yeah. So I, I typically ask this question at the beginning of our workshops that, hey, when you think about AI, what are the emotions that comes to your mind? And there's a list of emotions that uh, mostly people use, and we have a word cloud. And, uh, and we ask the same question at the end of the workshop. And, and typically, you know, at the beginning, um, depending on the audience, there are, there's a mix of excitement, and also uh, on the other side of it is fear and, you know, curious and mm -hmm. so all, all different sorts of emotions. And when we go to the end of the workshop, this is typically different. Um, and really the, the idea and the, the, the message here is that there, there are two things. One is um, by learning about something, uh, and by acting on that, we can change our emotion. And so the learning is a critical part. And the second piece of it is that um, a lot of people in the organization are fearful about AI. And now that we create that base level for the executives, how we can help other people in the company uh, to do that. And lastly, it's, it's about uh, being able to... Uh, move people from a fearful state into excitement state so that we can have a better conversation about what we can do and how we can what are the new opportunities that we can build for the for the company this episode is made possible with support from avail in a world where precision meets creativity where every line drawn holds the power to innovate people like you are shaping the future. But let's face it, in the realm of design, the unknown is your least favorite companion. You've been stranded on the island of inefficient software, lost in the fog of endless searching for the right content. It's time to embark on a new journey, a journey to clarity, efficiency, and design excellence. It's time to get off that island and away from the unknown. Introducing Avail, the beacon in your design odyssey. Say goodbye to the daunting 10 to 20 minutes wasted per search, the costly interruptions in your creative flow. With Avail, your team will zip through content discovery, focusing more on designing and less on searching. 
Imagine a world where you can stop constantly fighting the costly fires caused by pulling content from past projects, building from scratch, or relying on personal libraries. Avail isn't just a tool, it's a revolution for AECO firms. Organize, manage, and navigate your project information with a leader that's proven in reliability, relatability, and success. Join the ranks of the top AECO firms who've already chosen Avail. In just 30 days, you could deploy Avail and witness a dramatic reduction in costly design errors. Whether it's your first CMS or you're considering a switch, there's someone you should meet. Will Rouse, your guide to all things Avail. Schedule an appointment and explore Avail's capabilities, onboarding programs, and professional services. Don't let your designs be clouded by inefficiency. Clear skies are just a click away. Go to getavail.com stranded and book a meeting with Will to start your Avail journey today. Avail, where your best design is just a search away. My thanks to Avail for supporting this episode of the Troxel Podcast. And now let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, I feel like this is a great strategy and AI just happens to be the technology we were talking about, but you could put insert any technology into there. And this is a great strategy to get the gears turning, right? Because if if everybody's coming at this from a different angle, which is traditionally what's happening, right? Everybody has their own newsfeed online. That's it's algorithmically fit, fed just to you. You're the only one who sees that timeline. Well, that that's how we start to derive this worldview that we have of whatever the the subject matter is, right? AI is no different and other technologies are no different, whether it's BIM or optioneering or generative design or any of the topics that we cover on this podcast. It's a great way to build a foundation, like we were talking about earlier, of getting everybody on the same page so that you can then have a real discussion about it. And you don't continually have people pulling in different directions, which is what we see time and time again in all sizes of firms, right? You've got you've got people who like live and breathe this stuff, and then you have other people who won't touch it with a 10-foot pole and everything in between, right? So I feel like it was, a, it was really successful in that through the learning process about the branches and the tree and the roots and, and the different pieces of it and really starting to educate people around what these subjects are that are that make up the field of AI, it gave everybody way more comfort that their wildest dreams or their or the wild the biggest problems aren't going to occur. It's going to be it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And so Scott, I assume that you 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 already alluded to the fact that this happened with your leadership, right? Yeah. And, you know, you make, you make a really good point of, and, you know, you could not only any technology, you know, I, I think about, you know, some of the challenges right now that, that I'm having and trying to understand, you know, what's going on in the Middle East and I'm doing a deep dive. It's education, right? If you can get mm. information and move away from that narrow casting, which, you know, it's interesting as it comes back to the whole idea of large language models and what's going to happen there if they continue to feed themselves with their own you know, I think of right. like how chewing its own cud on, um, you know, right. where, where's the growth there? Um, but if you get if you can get um, some education, you're going to be able to have some good conversations without education. You can. It's not just the, the language, the taxonomy. Um, it's it's being able to have enough knowledge where you can now engage in conversations. And, and that yeah. the one thing that I thought was really great, besides the outcome is in the workshop itself, um, 
it it's it is not presented as like, hey, this is going to solve all your problems. I mean, it's it's very clear. It's like it's just, you don't walk out there saying it's going to take care of everything. There's a there's a real element of like, okay, you know, it's a technology. It's got flaws. Um, so we were able to talk about that as well. So it wasn't a sell job on AI. It was okay. This is what AI is. Um, here's the here's the opportunities. Here's the risks. Here's the challenges. Um, here's some areas where it might be good. Here's some areas where it would be horrible. Um, so there was enough information where it could then be applied in our environment about risk and mm-hmm. you know talk a little bit about SAM and governance. And you know this is a big deal. Our, our company. I'm one of the few folks that was at a conference not that long ago and I was EFCG and, you know, everyone was running their chat GPT. And I asked like, well, how many of you have any kind of policies around this? And none of them did. It's like, man, there's a lot of risk there. So there's, it's just having enough knowledge to be able to move forward with a strategy and knowing it's not going to be perfect, but you've got a path that you can, you can start moving down. It does come across, Mehdi, that you're really excited about AI and the potential of AI. And so maybe let's just let's just go there first, because I feel like uh, there's a lot of people in this industry who are like, this, let's stand on the sidelines and watch. Right. Let's see how this plays out before we even think about wading in or adopting this this kind of stuff. So maybe just give some ideas up front, because you have such a, a big view of, of the potential of what AI can do in AEC, domain specific. Can you just give us some, you know, high level overview of, of what you think is possible with yeah. AI? Um, absolutely. So I, I'm really excited about innovation. Um, so that's what really, that's my big word. Mm-hmm. And um, AI happened to be a tool uh, or automation, you know, could be a tool that can and serve that. Um, and when you look at the, the kind of the trends in the market, in the uh, you know, past five, 10 years, we moved from the era of small, shallow, shallow AI models into the era of deep models. And that was the you know, invention of uh, deep learning back in 2010, 12. And then from 2020 to now is the era of foundational models. And these are the models that could be used as a foundation to develop a lot of different tools uh, on top of, you know, in fact, uh, OpenAI open its own app store now. Um, so this could be used as a foundation that can help us do a lot of things. So if you look at the capabilities of AI models, their capabilities have significantly improved over time. And at the same time, the cost of experimentation and working with this AI system has significantly reduced. So we kind of see a curve that is going up in terms of capability and also uh, another curve that is the cost of implementation that is coming down. And this brings a new opportunity for our industry. And now, so this is more on the solution space. On the problem space, we have a lot of problems that are still unsolved in, in our industry. Um, yeah. When we work with companies, we don't, necess- we don't tell them, hey, uh, focus on like common industry problems. We work with them to find the areas and opportunities that gives them, it's unique to them. This is opportunity coming from your annual business planning that if we could solve, can help you with X, Y, and Z. So this is a unique opportunity to you. So we we create a portfolio of those opportunities, and then 
we look into okay if you want to solve this opportunity what is the really the core problem here what is the maybe root cause of, of this problem and how automation or ai could be helpful here to address this you know challenge that you have or be, build this unique solution that you have so combining like the where we are in the in the technology space which you know is, technology is cheaper and you know a lot more uh, capable with some of the unique problems and challenges that these companies have this could give them uh, an area a good starting point to you know invest in and to bring those capabilities in their companies and the goal is not to do it once and you're done you got to mm. harvest these opportunities with your people over time every quarter every six months you do this again and again and eventually you're going to improve your companies and bring your people along and you know help this industry to move forward it's interesting to think about the order that you presented that in which is you identify the opportunities first and then you figure out the tool it's not like you're saying we're going to use ai no matter what what are the opportunities right you you're actually going the other way around and i think that's really important because ai is a tool and it could be one tool in a stack of tools to accomplish those goals. And I also like how you're differentiating it to specificity for the business rather than because this is a disruptive technology. It has democratized access to the tool. Everybody has access to ChatGPT. Everybody has access to a number of tools mid-journey. They could be image generation. They could be text generation. They could be built into Office 365, as we've seen. Everybody's got that, right? And it's just like, it's like the iPhone. The richest person in the world has the same iPhone that you do, right? And so that's not a differentiator anymore. Just having the device or having access to this technology, it's how you use it, right? And so if you can really be specific about the opportunities that you need to solve for in your business, AI may be one of the most incredible tools that we've ever seen to help solve that problem. Is that what happened between you two, Scott and Mehdi? Is, is, is that how it went? And I'm, I'm curious because we have a real world yeah. case study right here. <laughs> Mehdi question I'll ask at the end of this. Um, so, you know, I mentioned earlier about um, the annual business plan where we had our, our leaders and we, you know, all of our uh, business units pr present their plans for the next year. Um, well, prior to that, you know, started working with Mehdi, uh, shared with him our strategic uh, plan, um, five-year plan for the for the company. Uh, he looked at that. Um, and then as his business plans were being developed for this for the next uh, year, uh, gave him access to that. And then simultaneous, we we did a survey of, of all the people in all, everyone in our company. We're about, we're about 1,200 then. We've grown a little bit since then. And we consciously did not ask. We didn't use the word AI. We just said, hey, what are some areas, and there was a, a series of questions, but what are some areas where you think um, technology and automation would uh, make a significant difference in, A, your uh, daily experience, mm -hmm. but we did it in such a way where we asked enough specific questions that we ended up with a, just a massive amount of problems, okay, in mm -hmm. Didn't mention anything about the AI. Presented that to uh, to Mehdi. So now he's got the 
uh, enterprise strategy. He's got a list of basically voice of the customer, the people that are out there, whether they're uh, uh, designers, drafters, engineers, managers, whatever, right? Things that just like, man, you know what? I shouldn't be doing this. This is just as mundane work. Um, yeah. And it really would make a difference. So with that, um, at this business uh, workshop, um, we put together, I think, four or five different scenarios based on that. And we had randomly people sitting at tables uh, and they each had one of these scenarios. And after all of this baseline understanding of what is this, then we had basically an exercise where each table had to come up with a poster of here's the problem. You've learned a lot about AI. How would AI potentially solve this problem? And it was fascinating because we ended up with some uh, pretty interesting ideas. There's no way we ever would have gotten them, mostly because you don't get people together and do that kind of like uh, brainstorming very often. Um, and we actually, uh, many might feel different, but we actually thought, okay, well, this is going to be the foundation of the work that we're doing. Well, there were BHAGs. I mean, obviously, you know, everyone was dreaming really big. And they're just like, you know, as soon as we saw them, it's like, no, we're not. We might be able to do some of these things. <laughs> but coincidentally, after this workshop was over, I mean, I was inundated, as was others, as were others, with, well, wait, I want to talk about this. We didn't get a chance to talk about this problem and this problem. So we did a bit of a pivot, and this was not part of the original plan. And I don't know if Medi's done this with any of his other uh, customers, where we had basically what I'll call it an eight-week sprint, um, where we took three to four people from each of our business units and each of our corporate departments and did a, a pretty um, guided step through of, okay, for your business unit, for your department, let's do the same thing. Come up with three problems that you'd like to solve, okay? And so Yegatech helped these individuals. We had a facilitator that, uh, that Mehdi and, and uh, Sam trained so they could kind of help lead people through this, but Mehdi and, and Yegatech were, were there to kind of walk through this with certain deliverables. Um, so at the end of this, they had basically three ideas that had been, you know, we've identified what the problem is and here's where AI might fit into it. Some really interesting ideas, things that I never would have thought of, but they were very clearly mm -hmm. coming from our customers. And so where we are right now is we've kind of selected the, the best of those and we're starting to evaluate a, you know, we've actually put them in front of our, our leadership to look at how real, how, how real of a business problem is this? Um, and now we're going down the path of, okay, is this something that AI really would solve? Um, because these are not AI specialists, they're, you know, they're engineers and yeah. IT folks and um, administrative assistants. Um, but we're taking those and now we're starting to do some, some basically rating of those of, okay, capability, possibility with the data, et cetera. And, you know, Mehdi and I had a conversation this morning. Okay, a lot of these things, they're definitely problems. There's no question about it. Do you need AI for it? Maybe, maybe for that last 15%, if it's worth right. it. But what we've gained is enough knowledge about the problems and how AI could potentially do it. I'll go back to one more thing. This, this whole idea of focusing on a specific problem for the industry um, or for our company, I think that really is critical. Because mm. even, I mean, from an industry level, there's going to be solutions that are out there that are, I mean, they're being developed right now. Um, you know, some of the ideas that were, were brought up, they weren't even AEC industry specific. You know, it was just like, okay, well, we, because it might be from a, a corporate department. Great. You 
that. We're not going to build that thing. <laughs> There's other people that can do that. Uh, but even yeah. in our own industry, I think of like one of them that um, you know, we've talked about clash detection. You know, if everyone could use clash detection, it would be great. But clash detection is a horrible, horrible um, uh, set of tools right now. I mean, pe people don't use it because you get too many false positives, right? And, you know, I think that uh, Mehdi has talked in the book and you hear it in other places, but classic cat, dog, cat, dog. Yeah. Is it a clash? Is it not a clash? Is it a clash? Is it not a clash? Well, if there's ever any one area where you could get some value, it's like, man, if you had a learning tool that knew what a clash was, because these things don't learn, then people would use it and quality would be better. And then you'd have far less RFIs. Uh, your customers would be happier as well. But then you get to this point of going, okay, well, we're not the only ones that are suffering from this problem. Right. Someone's got to be working on that. So is it worth our time and investment to look at building a clash detection AI tool? So now we're at this point of like, and it's a really interesting point of trying to forecast where the industry is going so we're not necessarily inventing something that Microsoft with billions of dollars or Autodesk with, you know, millions of dollars. is, is and, and sitting where sitting where I sit, I've seen that exact thing happen where all of the firms have identified this problem and they've all gone about solving it their own way and they're all duplicating the effort and they come together at an annual meeting and they're like everybody is anybody else having this problem because they think they're the only ones and everybody has the same problem it's like oh well i i designed this bespoke thing to accomplish that task and oh guess what everybody else did too and so it's also as an industry in AEC industry, it would be fantastic if there was a way that we could communicate yeah. with everybody else out there <laughs> to to throw these ideas out to say, like, what's going on here and who's tackling this and who isn't? And, and, and is this just something that we should just buy rather than develop? Right. And and that level of communication is lacking as well. And, and, and you know, what? if I if I can, it's that is a real challenge because there's again, you, you talk about that uh, that uh, signal to noise ratio. There is there's no way you can keep up with everything. You know, there's right. just no way. And, you know, another example that's like, hey, we're not going to do this. And now we're evaluating a, a commercial product is, you know, boy, if you could have a large language model for codes, right? So you can start just to keep track of all that. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So it's like, <laughs> OK, wouldn't it be great? Well, we're not going to build it. Someone's going to build it and we're going to, you know, subscribe to it. So we're about ready to start an evaluation of Uptime's code, uh, Copilot um, because okay, it's man. out there. Yeah. So yeah. but it's yeah. hard, hard to forecast what's going to be, be out there. And you don't want to be too tentative. And if you can get enough gain in a short period of time before product, you know, is, 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 is out there, then maybe it's right. worth it to do it yourself. Mehdi, you have anything to add to, to what Scott was yeah, saying? Yeah, it, you know, it's just want to echo what, what Scott said. It's really when it comes to the end, like when you have a portfolio of opportunities, that's like a decision time. Uh, what are the things that you need to invest in so that it can accelerate your business strategy? Or what are the things that... Uh, you got to kind of hold off. Um, you know, Vince DePoffy, the CEO of uh, SSOE, uh, has a, you know, uh, quote that I really, really like, which is like, AI is not your strategy. AI is the accelerator of your business strategy. And, you know, thinking about what are, how some of these opportunities might give you that, you know, differentiation in the market um, is the key. So when it comes to it, um, you've got to think about where the industry is going, where the, all the tech trends are moving to, and uh, what are the things that is unique to you and can help you 
differentiate yourself in the market. This episode is made possible with support from Confluence. Picture this, October 2019, Lexington, Kentucky, the birthplace of Confluence, a place where tech leaders, AEC product developers, and practitioners came together for three transformative days. It was more than a conference. It was a confluence of ideas, discussions, and unforgettable social experiences. Since then, over 200 attendees have experienced the magic of Confluence. I've had the privilege of being part of three of these remarkable gatherings, two in Kentucky and one in Orange County, each one a melting pot of learning, collaboration, and camaraderie around a topic shaping our industry. And now we're thrilled to announce the next regional Confluence event in April 2024 in the vibrant heart of New York City. This time, we dive deep into the realms of AI and machine learning, unraveling their mysteries and potentials in our industry. Are you interested in being part of this exciting journey to continue the conversation to shape the future? Visit the link in the show notes for more details. Confluence, where ideas flow, connections form, and the future of AEC technology is shaped one conversation at a time. My thanks to Confluence for supporting this episode of the Troxel podcast. And now let's get back to the conversation. How important is it to start small with this? So I, I can only imagine, Scott, like the, the number of projects that came out, the opportunities, and the variation of scale of those projects, right? There's like the moonshot projects, but there's also like the really small automation stuff or the AI-based stuff, and or any other tool, I guess. But, but Mehdi, when it comes to small wins to build momentum and also to start plugging in issues with governance and risk and all of those things along the way. I mean, I guess I'm kind of painting a picture here. I want you to actually paint the picture of, of how important is it to start small or is it, is it like all in, like give us an idea of, of the types of recommendations that you make firms who, because we have to recognize that adoption is hard. We have to build traction over time so that we can get to scale. Uh, and, and I think this will lead us into a, a, an interesting area of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in the book, I talk about uh, like in the, the ponder phase of the augmented uh, framework is all about how to find these, you know, how to uh, form your AI task force, how to find these opportunities based on your business strategy. And, uh, you know, towards the end of it, it talks about how you can prioritize uh, some of these opportunities based on their business viability or business importance mm -hmm. and technical difficulty. Um, so, you know, typically when you look at this, the opportunities through that lens, you know, if you plot them in a graph, uh, you, this graph will have four quadrants. And two of the quadrants that are really interesting are the one that has the highest business importance and the lowest technical difficulty. And we call them quick wins. Uh, so they're super important for the business, but they're easier to do. So we typically look into these areas for the first AI project that you, you want to tackle. And the next quadrant that is very important is, uh, you know, the ones that are, have the highest business importance and also they're more difficult to do. And we call them a strategic, uh, business project, strategic AI opportunities. And, you know, if companies want to take one or two projects, we typically recommend looking into the quick wins 
But if they want to have tackle a bigger project, we say, okay, which of these ones in the strategic quadrants uh, might be the right fit for, for them? So um, if they have a bigger budget, you know, one or two quick wins and one strategic projects. But if they have a smaller budget, uh, maybe one uh, or two quick wins, that will give them a good starting point. Yeah, if, if 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 I can, and, and I'm I'm really fortunate to work for a CEO that um, recognizes the potential of this. So a lot of it has has to do with budget, which is tied to um, your confidence in um, th this this new environment. And so uh, Vince, our CEO, um, you know, he's pretty bullish on this. Uh, he's been in the industry for a while, but he sees this as a pretty transformational time uh, for the industry. It's a real really good opportunity. So. so he, he, the approach that we're taking is, you know, we want to have maybe three or four projects this next year and it's a portfolio. And he's, he flat out said, if every one of these things is successful, then you failed. Okay. The idea is, listen, you've got to go big. You know, sometimes you just have to swing <clears throat> for the fence and, and if, if, if you're going to learn stuff along the way. So don't go in there with this expectation that every dollar you're investing is going to result in a dollar of savings, real savings with the solution. Because what you're building is you're building an environment which you're going to continue to develop. And this is one of the things that uh, Yegatech has, has really emphasized, like as, as, as many said, it's not a one-shot deal. We're, we're creating a culture which really it's almost fast forwarding because we can't even get to a point where we're in this data culture yet and now we're talking about let's put an ai culture on top of it and you know maybe we'll talk about this later but you know a good 60 70 maybe even 80 percent of an ai ai solution is all about the data and and, and that's going to be the biggest challenge here is if you're going to have the data standardized which you have to have um forget about the technology you have to have processes which are standardized to ensure that that data is being collected and I mean, on an ongoing basis, you can create a pilot with, you know, formula uh, manufactured data. But getting folks to go, yeah, we will succumb to a common process because in any AEC firm with more than one sector that they're dealing with, their sector is unique. And yes, there's unique factors. But if you can't get to a point where you're able to get the data in there, then game over. And so it's really driven something that I did not expect. The enthusiasm for AI and the recognition that <clears throat> it's data-driven and the importance of having standardized data in a common data environment is absolutely a prerequisite. And the only way you can get to that is having some common standardized policies and or procedures. So now all of a sudden I have people who said, no, our, you know, our world's different. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't be that different if it's going to provide us this. So it's really, I bring this up because no matter what we do, we're gaining something as an organization just from the data perspective alone. And that's, that's been the, you know, my biggest struggle is getting folks to understand it. Listen, we have, if we're going to be data driven, you got to have good data. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start with that foundation. Yeah. And, and so it, that's interesting to me to hear you say that just by going through that process, it's made you a better organization, right? It, you don't even know if, if you're going to be successful with whatever initiatives that you're going to go because you do learn through failure. I think it's really interesting that, that Vince is, is coming at it with that attitude, which is like swing for the fences, 
And don't, of course, we're going to fail along the way. We have to assume that we will and not, and we're not, because one of the things that I've lived through in the past is what's the ROI on this? And it, and, and that is a crystal ball kind of a question. And to me, as a designer of architecture, I, my response is cynical response is, well, what's the ROI of design? Like you, you can't really put a number on it, right? Like it's, and you have to go through it even to find out whether things are going to work or not. And again, assume things are going to fail along the way. So I, I think that all of that is, is really interesting. And it's great to hear the real life experience that you're sharing there, because I think a lot of listeners are going to be thinking about all of this. And it's great to hear kind of the things that they can expect to encounter along this path. How important is it? I'd love to hear both of you respond to this. How important is it for the leader of the organization to buy into this vision? Uh, is it is it critical? Or, you know, because there's oftentimes we either see a, like a top-down kind of initiatives, but we also see bottom-up grassroots kind of initiatives. And and this seems like it needs a little bit of both, but I, I would be interested to hear, Mehdi, what, what do you think as far as leadership's buy-in and vision in this process for successful outcomes? Yeah, um, you know, typically the way that we see, you know, results in the best outcome is, you know, having the leadership support uh, this initiative and give the employee the autonomy to bring mm -hmm. forward the best ideas and create that culture in the organization. So it's both top-down and uh, bottom-up. Um, oftentimes, mm -hmm. the, kind of the wrong way of doing this is that uh, the you know people at the high level get together and say, "Okay, these are three areas that we should be focusing on." And people in the organization, which are you know really busy and uh, they're just uh, doing all the deliveries, why do we need this and why do we need that? Um, so give it the, giving them some time, some slack to focus on these critical initiatives and bring their ideas forward that later you know some of the the companies we work with people are discussing their ideas why shouldn't we collect this data i think this is best for our company if we collect that data so they're they're the one that are aware of the importance of data and discussing that and bringing those ideas forward to the technology team the wrong way of doing it is that the technology team says i know everything and these are the things that you need to do it. The ownership really should be coming from the operation teams mm -hmm. and from the people in those, uh, you know, uh, segments. And then really the, the technology team to orchestrate that uh, across the organization. It, it, you know, one of the things I would say is, is and I would agree with you 100%, um, and it's not necessarily they have to embrace that the leadership has to embrace AI. It's certainly that's important, yeah. but there's gotta be within the leadership, um, they have to embrace change, right? And there's a lot of AC firms where that's not the case. Well, right. if you don't have that change mindset. Well then, you know, forget it, but that impacts everything. So the change is important. The AI, um, yes, having enough knowledge because there is some, some, some other concerns about that with uh, uh, jobs, et cetera. So being able to, be able to communicate this, uh, you know, it was interesting when this actually came came up for the first time. It was at a shareholder meeting a year ago, I guess it was. Vince, um, 
I got I got advance notice of what he was going to say during his shareholder uh, speech, and he said, "Oh, that's about AI." And this is like, you know, advance notice means about ten minutes before it. And I go, "Before <laughs> to go, okay, this is going to." I mean, basically, what he did is he he lit a match in a room, and I don't think he knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he basically said, "Listen, it's not going to be other." Um, AEC firms have put us out of business. It's going to be technology firms. If we don't get involved, someone else will take it. And we're seeing that. There's a lot of technology firms that are now getting into business because it's a lot easier than trying to sell this technology to the businesses. So this idea of having a change mindset, someone who's looking forward, um, someone who's willing to take some risks. I mean, clearly, yes, we, we want to swing for the wall. We also want to have some small wins. So it's a portfolio side of things. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. what Eddie said there is absolutely critical. The folks that are going to be impacted most by this are the folks that oftentimes are not spoken to. And if you don't get that buy-in or a level of excitement or a sense of ownership of, yeah, they're addressing my problem, then it's not going to work. My number one goal, I remember Vince asking me, um, what's the ideal outcome from this uh, business planning workshop with AI? I said, I'll be honest. The best outcome for me is that you've got the leadership of the organization sitting at tables, working through a business problem collaboratively. I don't care what comes out of that. Yeah, That process, which is, mm. we can get people to start stepping away from, I've got this deliverable, I've got this deliverable, and start thinking about, we've got a problem, and work across, across the, uh, the aisle with, other engineers or even administrative folks and get their ideas. That, to me, that that has been the biggest win. I mean, I'm really looking forward to some of the solutions, but if we can maintain and build upon that cultural shift which has taken place, then that's going to make us a better company, AI or not AI, because a lot of this stuff- That's transformative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is transformative because it, it is one of those things where it, 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 you've enabled the, the, the leadership or whoever's at that meeting to work on the business rather than just working on your client's problems, right? And I think that's a hard thing. We talk about that a lot on this podcast, which is like I, I went from working in the profession to working on the profession. I, I really see my role through communication, through capturing conversations and getting them out there to everybody as helping a stepping back and saying, look, these, this is industry-wide kind of stuff that we should be addressing. We should be having these conversations in the open. And that's exactly what I'm hearing you say is, is because everybody's working on projects, right? Even if you're in HR, you're working on your projects, which are, it, it could be bonuses, it could be onboarding, whatever it is. And then you've got design teams that are working on projects. And as soon as that project's done, you got the next project and there's all these deadlines. And rarely do we have space or time to step back and work on the business, the design of the business, right? So I, that, that's what I, I took away from that. And that, that's incredible, right? To, because this does lead to, like, it, it is a mindset shift, right? That, that you referenced earlier in the conversation. And I, I would be interested to hear a follow-up, you know, like you've been going through this for the last year, but like, I, I think later on it would be cool to hear like, is that still working for you guys? Did did it stick, right? Because the stickiness of that is also something to measure over time and see if it actually did change the culture of the company. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we, we, you know, Scott and I 
talk, talk about this often that what we're really doing you know is you know it's about ai but it's not about ai it's really mm-hmm. building that muscle for the organization and right. you know at the beginning we, we're gonna you know take do it with the small lifts and weights and then over time this muscle when the muscle is being built uh, we can lift you know heavier things and this is how you can uh, you know have a leadership position in the age of disruption um, this year happened to be AI two years from now who knows what's going to come right and yeah. being able to continue that path uh, forward is critical this episode is made possible in collaboration with Arc Vision. Are you planning on getting software before the year ends? Maybe you need to use your budget in 2023 or want to upgrade to something new like the just released Rhino version 8. Rhino 8 introduces amazing new tools for architectural design. One standout feature is the push-pull tools, which are incredibly powerful and even work on curved surfaces. The new inset command and auto seaplane tools enhance the architectural modeling experience, There are also new features like auto-updating clipping section drawings, shrink wrap, which is amazing for 3D printing, and new display types, including a fast and beautiful built-in render engine. Rhino also now supports new Grasshopper data types, and bonus, upgrades from any older version of Rhino are currently 33% off for a limited time. By purchasing anything at arcvision.com slash store and using the code TRXL at checkout, you can not only support Droxel, but you'll also get 5% off your order. ArcVision is an authorized reseller of Rhino, SketchUp, Enscape, V-Ray, and more. So whether you're a student, an individual practitioner, or part of a firm with multiple licenses, if you're looking to buy architectural software before the end of 2023, visit arcvision.com store and use code TRXL at checkout and save 5% off your order. The link will also be in the show notes. My thanks to ArcVision for collaborating with the Troxel podcast. And now let's get back to the conversation. That that idea of building the muscle is is key because this has got to be one of those things where Scott, like you, you had a little bit of a vision of the best possible outcome of this. But but what is the ROI on hiring Yegatech to come in to do this workshop? Right. Like you could have never have foreseen the transformative change in your business and the way people get together and the way that you are starting to tackle problems versus the way that you used to. And I don't know how different it is, but it sounds different. Right. Like that is is a a business. That's an advantage that you have now that you you didn't have. Bam had actually put something on a, it was one of her LinkedIn posts and and it it, it stuck with me. Well, she and I use analogies maybe to a fold, but she had this, uh, very interesting analogy about, um, you know, when, when the movie industry went from, from um, silent to the talkies and how it just disrupted everything. And that you're going down this path and you have to recognize you don't know what's going to happen. And you have to get a certain level of comfort of, well, it was classic, you know, yeah, be agile, right? Now, when you start dealing with an engineering firm and you're asking them to be agile, we're, you know, we're, we're, we, we do you know, lean, uh, we're trying to be as lean as possible using, you know, lean technologies, et cetera, and, and the lean uh, methodologies. But now when you're starting to talk about, hey, you're successful only if you um, have some failures, right? You try to tell an engineer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Basically are doing this iterative <laughs> stuff and it's not going to be perfect. 
it, it is a it's a it is a it is a cultural clash. Yeah, it um, is uncomfortable to say the and, least. But it, right? but it because some <laughs> people up on it and some of them don't. Some of them never will, and that's okay. But it's it's those things that I did not expect to encounter. Of like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm been doing IT. I know that you do these iterative things. You don't do the waterfall approach anymore. That, but trying to bring that to your to your internal customers and go, now we're engaging you in the process. And they have to get comfortable with stuff that's been the sausage making in the back. They've always been given, you know, this this nice sausage that's like, hey, it tastes great. They have no idea all the misery that you have to go through and the failures. And and again, engineers do not want to fail. And so yeah. that's something I didn't expect at all. Just even some of the verbiage we use in terms of, you know, using the word failure. Not it, it's interesting to me because you mentioned it early on in the conversation, Scott. It was like the the it has to, you have to focus on the people in this problem. You don't focus on the technology. You don't even necessarily have to focus on what the opportunities are and the, the risks are. It's like you, the, the goal is to get back and, and get to the people. And Mehdi, this is something that came up during the workshop that I participated in as well, right? And this, this is really like the big takeaway was you have to focus on the people. And, and I'm interested to ask you, how did you get to to realizing that that is the thing that you need to focus on. I know you've been through experiences through your trajectory in AEC to recognize that. So can you tell the audience how you recognize that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the kind of the, the mindset shift that um, um, Scott talked about from waterfall to agile. So I used to be a structure engineer, you know, I felt that. And when I went to working for a tech company, I was like, oh my God, what is this? And, and you know, as I work more and more on projects, um, I realized that most of AI problems are not AI tech problems. They're people problems. Um, people don't share data because they're afraid that if they share their data, they're going to go out of job. People kind of hoard data or put bad data in the system. And, you know, it's easy to say, hey, yeah, this AI project failed. But if you go deep and ask why question five times, most of the time you get to people. And if you think about the level of complexity, you know, technology, uh, process and people, the most complex part is the people part. And that is often the root cause of all the problems. And until we don't address that, you know, we have the best data pipelines and technologies and everything in the world of IT is being built. And there's no question around that. They're, they're being built. We can use them. We can leverage them. But until we don't solve the people problem, nothing is going to change. One of the stories that you told, I think it had to do f when you were at Autodesk and it has to do with kind of adoption of technology, right? Like we've been through this with BIM, right? The, there's the true potential of BIM and then there's kind of like the very crappy versions of BIM that we've adopted that never really got us there, right? It's, and it does always come back to the, the people issue. It could be training, it could be job security. Like you mentioned right there, like people intentionally sabotaging something to take the focus off of them and, and it gives them job security. I mean, there's all of this weird psychology going on, but, but I mean, you, 
if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you shared a story about it had to do with adoption and just realizing that like, no, we actually have to focus on the people. We, you can't just keep selling this beautiful vision of, of the thing at the end if we can't actually help people get from here to there, right? And so I, I, to me, that, that was kind of the nut of what you were talking about there was like, no, we have to focus on the, the people who are actually going to be operating the technology to get to that vision of the future. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Interesting because, you know, like a lot of AC firms, I mean, we've adopted BIM. We've, you know, gone from the, you know, BIM 360 to ACC. All of our projects are <clears throat> running out there right now. And, and there's, as, as, as you mentioned, there's just so much more potential, <clears throat> right? Um, and, and I would say there's a lot of reasons that, that, that people, it, that is a struggle for people to change. But I'd say the primary reason is most people are thinking like this, what's in it for me? Now, when you're starting to talk about <clears throat> a lot of these solutions, um, you're talking about the greater good of the company as a whole. You may have a solution, <clears throat> BIM is a great example. If someone's got a process for doing RFIs through the, through the mail and it's working great for them, uh, why should I change? This new thing's not necessarily gonna make my job any easier, specifically, it may not. It may even make my job a little bit more difficult. But if you step back a little bit and you try to figure out how you connect the individual to the mission of the company, and that's a whole other issue. It's like, well, why do I care about the company? I care about my job. Well, because you don't have a job if the company's not moving forward. So trying to close that gap and saying, listen, we're asking you to change. It may not necessarily going to make your day-to-day -day job more efficient. That's a classic theory of constraints, right? Not everything's going to work at an optimal level for an optimal system to work. So you have to help people understand that you you don't want to use words of cog in a, in, in, in a system, but we're all <laughs> cog, right? And somehow they have to step back and look at the overall design delivery process and where they fit and how they contribute to these other pieces. And yes, your uh, gear may move a little bit slower now because of this, but the overall system is moving faster. And that's a really difficult message to get to an individual. It's that classic, what's in it for me? And mm -hmm. that's, that's, it's, it's an important thing to, to not forget because any change is going to require someone to become less efficient, certainly in the short run, certainly in the short run. And no one wants to become less efficient when they have more work coming at them. Yeah, right. Mandy, what are we missing here that, that is a, a major point that really makes sense to talk about in this podcast regarding the content that's in your book and, or the workshop? Um, I, you know, I, I keep thinking, I keep rethinking about the shift that happened in sentiment from the beginning to the end and how you reinforced that shift the whole way through and really held people's hands and worked directly with us as groups of individuals to talk things through. Uh, but what else is there that we that we really need to talk about today just to start wrapping things up here? Um, I think um, one of the things that is missing and we talked about a little bit uh, today is about um, at the at the industry level, because as we are working with other companies, you know, as I said, they all have the same uh, they're looking for the mm -hmm. same problems that somebody else should be should should solve that i think what we did during the workshop and you know i'm a big believer on that is to having a space for conversation to create a space where industry leaders like scott vince and and 
you even and all of us can come together and talk about things that really matters to to the industry to learn from the lessons to see what is working and what is not working and having that space you know we go to these conferences and you know we are in the consumption you know era when you have right. three seconds after watching a movie to not go to the next movie and we just consume 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 but we don't have time to reflect and we don't have time to mm. think and we don't have time to talk to each other you go to a conference you get bombarded by you know all the information and for that we are creating a small community of uh, people in the industry uh, ai practitioners to come together and talk about things and you know have a discussion about what is working and what is not working and i think this is critical for for our, our industry and uh, you know i think you know early, later this year early you know early later this year and early next year we're going to be launching this community and gathering people together to really talk about things that matters to the industry and really helping each other to move this industry forward. That's fantastic. I hope that you will ping me when you're ready to do that and I will help you get the word out about that community, about getting people involved in it because I'm sure people who are listening today will want to be a part of that if they are interested. Uh, what you were just saying there reminded me of something I wanted to bring up earlier but then forgot, which was I had a... I had a leader in, in a company that I was working at and it was at this point in my life when it became clear the difference between leadership and management, kind of going back to the earlier part of our conversation where I was asking about the importance of vision and leadership and, and Mehdi, you said that, you know, create, create the vision, create the, set the problem and then let people act and have their autonomy in doing it create that space, right? That's how you put it. And this leader in my life said, look, you can do whatever you want to do. Like you're going to think of things that I have never thought of. It's my job to help you achieve those things. What, what he didn't say was, I'm just going to step back and watch from the sidelines. What he said was, I am going to help clear the path so that you can get there, right? And to me, like there's there is a sense of giving autonomy to people so that they feel like they can own the process and they can fail and they can succeed and do all of those really important things. But to have have that advocate there as well, who actually, if there's roadblocks, they clear them on your behalf so that you can achieve the vision that you have, the trajectory that you have, the ownership that you can the the full potential of that, I think is super, super important. And to me, like, that's what I think of when I think of leadership. I think of somebody who says, I've got the vision or I, I loosely see what the possibility here is. You're going to execute it, but I'm going to help you execute it by clearing the path for you so that you can actually make it happen. And that we don't see that enough. And so I, I just want to throw that out there because those are the kind of people, the technologists, the doers, the people with rolling up their sleeves and getting their hands dirty need to look for those people it, it really helps if you can identify who those people are in your company so that they can help you get to where you see things needing to go 100 100 you know it's and it's 
it's interesting just, you know, because we're at this stage of, of our project right now where, you know, you know, Medi has done a tremendous job of getting to this point of, okay, the ideation and getting to was like, okay, these are projects you should pursue. Well, you know, Yagatech, um, you know, they're not going to implement it for us. So we're, we're working with another firm and possibly looking at doing, having them do the, and we're not going to hire a bunch of ML engineers. That's not, you should talk about starting slow. So the last thing you want to do is hire a bunch of AI specialists, you know, there's people out there that do that and there's good people that do that. But this whole idea, you, you just said something about, you know, clearing the path and making sure that things are going fine. Um, and I haven't even shared this with Medi yet, but, you know, one of my biggest concerns is going from this state of enthusiasm, ideation, opportunities, creating this, this environment, and then you go into the implementation and you know that is a radically different space. And how do you maintain that leadership, which Yegatech has provided, and keep this thing going, um, you know, let the implementers implement, but put it all in the context of, listen, this all, you know, someone who's going to have that context of the whole journey. And, you know, I'm hoping that Mehdi and I can spend some time next week in, in, in Vegas at AU, and maybe talk a little bit about what does that look like for Yegatech? And you, you've probably been through it, Mehdi, um, but I do think about, this, this this can't be a handoff and then see you later, right? As you said, it's got a stain and, you you know, I want to make sure that we keep that going so we can continue to build upon this culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, um, no yawning, Medi. Can't yawn. No, uh, I was coughing. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, I guess it's a... Uh, Allergic reaction to dust. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, the journey continues. You know, when you start this, there is no stopping point. And um, I always think about this journey as like the way that Warren Buffet think about the investment. You know, in the first couple of years, you know, your investment is, is going to look like flat. But as you do this more and more, you get your exponential return on investment and that is mm -hmm. creating true culture of innovation for the company and creating that true environment where you don't need to hire any other you know employees and people beg to work for your company and this doesn't come like quickly and you got to keep working and keep building that environment and that culture because these are the companies that the young generations wants to work on not mm -hmm. the other companies that we've been doing this for 50 years so we're going to keep continue doing that so the journey continues absolutely yeah absolutely if i if i can and you can edit this out if you'd like but i, I would say something to you because one of the things that 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 Medi is looking at doing is building this community okay and and our industry is is as paranoid as any industry in anywhere right i mean there is so much paranoia about working with each other and we have an opportunity here with AI because everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's trying to figure this out. And I've had some great conversations with other um, leadership from other AEC firms. And I said, listen, let's not be protective. Let's share what the opportunities are, what the challenges are. Let's learn from each other. And, and so much so that I actually had a meeting yesterday. I set up a meeting with another uh, firm to bring my security folks and their security folks together. Okay. Again, here's something that's facing the industry, and we're all working in our silos, thinking that we've got right. it figured out. And if we can mm -hmm. cross, it's it's all about which is one of the things that you know you're doing, 
with with this is you're building this community and if if we can build that community and not be so fearful of competition uh how this is going to impact us winning a project and there's ways to do that there's some real important things that have to be addressed in this industry that are not going to be addressed by a single company it's just not going to be solved and yeah. i would encourage you know all the listeners to to start reaching out to other firms and say hey what are you doing over here people want to share and they want to learn and it's not like i'm an expert and you're not it's let's share some of the misery some of the excitement some of the challenges how we've addressed them whether it's security whether it's ai it's really critical to the industry that we join forces and and really make the industry much stronger i always think about it as a parent i think about my kids and i think about how i give them advice and i give them shortcuts and i because i've learned things throughout the years and i want them to pick up where i leave off right i don't want them to have to reinvent the wheel of family and finances and all of this stuff right i wish we'd treat business more like that which is like i'm going to be as helpful as i possibly can and not protect my own stuff so that i have the security but i'm i'm actively looking to make sure the next generation is successful i wish we could see a lot more of that yeah enough work out there for everyone yeah and i just want to add to what is what scott said um, one word that came out for me was competition and so i want to double down on that uh, what mm. is really this competition who are we competing against um i don't think that we are competing against each other in the ac industry i think we are competing against a tech company who hasn't entered the industry and will be interested three years from now, five years from now, with $20 billion budget to enter this industry. That's the competition. So um, yeah, we can choose. You're spot on. You're spot on. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That's a great place, I think, to, to wrap this up. Scott, I absolutely will not cut that last part out. That was fantastic. <laughs> I appreciate you bringing that up. And uh, and, and this was a, a really fantastic conversation. Yegatech.com is the website where you can get in touch with Mehdi. I'll put a link to Mehdi's uh, LinkedIn. Scott, I will put contact information in the show notes as well if you want to talk to Scott and uh, get an idea of of even more of the story of maybe what they went through because I'm sure he's an advocate uh, of the process. And the book is Augmented. And Mehdi, this, is, this has been a fantastic journey. I can't wait to see where this goes. I mean, this, this is one of those moments in history, and people have said this, this is not original at all. It's like the, the next iPhone moment is how people are kind of categorizing it. And, and it's, I think it's really interesting, right? Because it's I can't even imagine what the next three years are going to be like at the pace that we're seeing things come out. And so it's it's really exciting to watch and it's really exciting to get to talk to experts like you two about how you're actually implementing and dealing with this change that needs to happen and, and having success with that. So I applaud you both. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. And uh, until next time. Great. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And uh, and uh, if um, you know if um, there is a chance that uh, your audience can go to our website and download the AI workbook, which has all the instructions on how to bring AI to your company on your own pace, and mention your uh, podcast, uh, we will give them signed copies of the book. 
uh, US only. So that's also an offer that we put on the table. Awesome. That's very cool. All right. Well, yegatech.com. And is there a, is there a specific addition to that URL yes. where people so should go to get in touch with you? Yes. I'm going to put that in here. Yegatech.com slash free dash resources. And great. That's, that's an offer that anyone listening, you'd be foolish not to take them up. I mean, I'll even the, cause I had the workbook and that's free, but to get a copy of the book, uh, it, it really is a valuable resource uh, on, on learning about this journey. So I would really encourage all your listeners, get the book. Don't be afraid. Reach out to, to, to Mehdi. Talk with me. I'd love to share our stories. And I'm sure that you can share some stories with me as well. So here to yeah, learn. Absolutely. Well, thanks for writing the book, Mehdi. It's, it is a fantastic resource. And I also encourage the listeners to grab a copy of that. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. So until next time, thank you both. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks to our sponsors and thanks to our members this week. Find out how you can become a member at trxl.co. And I'll talk to you again next week.